0: So I noticed the other day that in your Instagram story you were watching North by Northwest. You you uh, grabbed a nice uh, still from from the screen. I know it's one of your 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 favorites, but we are definitely in the heart of uh what you and I refer to as Hitchcock season, right? Halloween time.
1: Yep. Have you watched any yet this season? Uh,
0: I have not. No. Uh I haven't had a chance to 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 watch any yet, but um but I uh, I definitely will hopefully before uh Uh, halloween is over with because um no better no no time like the present but but it got us thinking about this episode that we had uh recorded a while back on hitchcock and and some of our favorites and uh thought it would be a good time to re-release it
1: yeah now's the time and also i can't imagine like why you haven't found the time i mean i know you have a kid but like why ryan can watch psycho i mean (laughs) four is appropriate for that (laughs)
0: Yeah, there are certain scenes that are, are appropriate for, her, mostly the ones that are in daytime. <laughs> <laughs> Anything away from the hotel is fine. Yeah, no, I uh I know. I have not been I have not been good with that. It's just been uh that's 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 my bad.
1: No, same though. I mean, I had for years and I think I maybe talk about this in the episode had made it a point to watch like a whole bunch of them in, you know, in September, October, and this year, I think I've watched one and a half, but um, I think after I re-listen to this episode, it's going to inspire me to do a little Hitchcock binge before yeah. we, before we get to Halloween.
0: Yeah, I'd be in for that. Well, they're always just so, they're so classic and, you know, you never really feel like, even though I've I, you know, seen them a million times, you never really feel like, you're you're watching it and you're bored or anything like that so there's always something fun and exciting coming from from his movies no matter how many times you've seen it so perfect time to re-release this sit back and enjoy our classic look back at Hitchcock and happy Halloween
1: happy Halloween hi I'm Michelle
0: and I'm Steve and this is a podcast for creatives two friends talking about the complex messy and beautiful experience that is being a creative
1: why don't you start by telling me about do you remember the first Hitchcock movie you ever watched?
0: I do. Uh, the first Hitchcock movie I ever watched was with my dad. It was in the summer. I, I, I think it was probably somewhere. I was probably somewhere around the age of like 12, maybe 13, 12, 11, somewhere in that ballpark. And um, we had watched it in our basement. Uh, we watched Dial M for Murder. And I always thought it was the coolest thing ever like just to like it was just me and my dad we were just well you know he, he wanted to show me the movie he liked the movie and um I was hooked I mean like you know you don't really have a lot of experience I think at that age with suspense as as like a a, a style of movie you know most of the stuff that you're seeing at that age is animated or you know um, comedies or things like that like you don't really have that so it was it felt really adult to watch that with the storyline, it obviously was an older movie, so it had that that nostalgic kind of feeling to it in a sense. But I remember that vividly as my as my introduction to to Alfred Hitchcock was was Dial M for Murder, and it's still up there in terms of one of my my favorites. Maybe
1: you knew this already. Did you know that that is my favorite yes. Hitchcock movie?
0: Yes, I did know that. Yeah.
1: So good choice, Dad. Now,
0: <laughs> yeah, no, and it, and it honestly it led to you know wanting to to watch. Uh, cause you know, in the summers, like back when we were kids, when they would have like, and I think they still do this, but back when they were to have like, you know, it's Hitchcock week on AMC. So they would have like, you know, really, you know, classics on. So you could come back the next day or videotape it and watch it whenever, but not too long after that, I watched, um, psycho for the first time. That's probably the Hitchcock movie I've seen the most, maybe not surprisingly, but, um, just given its popularity, what was your first, uh, Hitch
1: movie so my journey was a little bit different than yours emotional (laughs) I'm getting really emotional about this I've talked about this on the podcast before I'm pretty sure but my first Hitchcock movie was Vertigo and I watched it in my freshman year of college in my color theory class we watched it I guess over the course of maybe like two or three classes and then we had to write a paper about it and I remember that I didn't quite (laughs) I remember thinking that it was really cool that this was an assignment that we had and then we got to watch a movie in class but I also remember when I got my paper back there was a lot of like I got a lot of stuff wrong because it was a color theory class a lot of it was you know noticing you know, what color costumes they wear at certain points in the movie, which characters wear, wear which colors. Of course, like the the scene at the end where you're kind of seeing the colors flashing on Jimmy Stewart's face. Yep. And I don't remember specifically what I got wrong, but I do remember feeling like I really learned something just in reading my professor's comments and, and thinking... Oh, okay, like now, now I get it. Like I I didn't get it on my own. I I needed him to like explain it to me, but I think that that was one of the first examples of me watching a movie through the lens of like being analytical about it and realizing that within each movie and now, you know, in TV, in books, knowing how many layers there are and how much thought goes into creating them. Because I don't know about you, but I kind of grew up with the message that, you know, watching TV is like you're lazy and like, it's like associated with like being a couch potato and kind of like shunned, um, you know, to be doing that often. And as I've gotten older, I've, you know, we've talked about this also like extensively, like how much both of us love TV and movies, but realizing, I think like the smartest people I know write and create these, you know, movies and and TV, not just creativity, but just incredible thought goes into them. And I'm just, I'm in awe of it.
0: Yeah. You got to be doing something right. If people are sitting and watching them and being so-called couch potatoes if you're holding their attention for that long it's got to be it's got to be good or noteworthy yeah Hitchcock was just you know one of those filmmakers that or, or, or directors that I fell in love with immediately and I don't even know if I knew why other than like at an early age like I really just i liked the I probably liked watching the movie with my dad and that Like that that kind of shared experience more so than I liked the movie, but it became for a while like my favorite Hitchcock movie. I think because of that experience, but the but it got me into him as a director uh, and made me want to experience more of him. And I still have that feeling like I've seen pretty much everything that he's done, um, even dating back to the very early stuff when he when he started. But what I find as I'm getting older is you go beyond wanting to see another movie because it's a Hitchcock movie and you want to experience it. And now you find yourself sort of pouring into, you know, the plot, the writing, the 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 angle. There's a great film that he did called Rope, which um, I, I could make a real argument is my favorite Hitchcock movie where there's a scene – where he shoots without edit points. I don't know how many how long it is. It, it's minutes. It's minutes long, and you probably know the scene, but done intentionally to keep you on the edge of your seat where there isn't that natural point for you to blink when there's the edit point. And that's the stuff that I found myself... I find myself as an adult now, all these years after watching that movie for the first time, getting sucked into is... The elements that make up the picture that I fell in love with at an earlier age I
1: think it is um I don't know how how long the longest stretches but I think that there's something like I, I don't know how many cuts are in a typical movie but in a rope I think there's like six or eight cuts total like in the whole, well, the whole so, thing takes yeah. place in that apartment. Yeah. Right.
0: So, like, you really don't have the time to do that. You're not going from like a scene on the street to a scene in the apartment to a scene in a bank. It's it's all done in one shot. So it it allows you to kind of be confined to that that area.
1: It's funny that I think that of of his movies, while I'm certainly drawn to. You know his more like adventure stories, like North by Northwest, to catch a thief. Those are like very high up on my list and are very like visually beautiful. I am probably, if I had to rank them, I am more drawn towards those kind of like quieter, more contained stories, like Rope and Dial in for Murder. Also, it 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 reads more like a play. Like it, it's really only in this shot in this one apartment. And, um, same with, with rear window. I mean that, that famously, like the whole thing just takes place on that one soundstage on that one, um, set. And there's, there's something that's really backwards, but like cool and fascinating in that when you contain yourself, that gives you more creativity. It forces you to be more creative. And I love that example that you gave about rope because, I don't think that Hitchcock was like, oh, you know what would be really cool is if we like we didn't cut. He didn't want to cut because it added to the tension of it. And, and and when we think about creating art, our initial thought is like, oh, we have to do something that's like really fancy and something that's like really over the top to like, you know, try to impress people or to like do something different. Like he is such a master of doing things differently, but doing it. More simplistically, and therefore, in my opinion, is much more successful.
0: He's got a line that I uh, have fallen in love with over the years that I heard in an interview that he did a number of a number of years ago, now decades ago, where he talked about how I'm going to paraphrase this, but
2: what is reality? Uh, I don't think many people want reality. I think whether it's in the theater or in films, I think it must look real. But it never must be because reality is something none of us can really stand at any time
0: and I think if you look at his body of work, that's a big component of almost every one of his 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 films. you know, even if you look at Psycho and the shower scene, it's graphic, but compared to more modern day you know horror or or suspense films it pales in comparison in terms of the graphic nature of it because of the artful way that it was shot you feel it but you never really see it and i think that's an element with 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 his movies that there are filmmakers i think who are similar in terms of how they approach it but it's unmatched in the actual end result um, his, his work has that ability to make you feel like what you're seeing could happen, is happening, but it never actually is what reality completely is.
1: And the cool thing about that is, is that he, in doing that, really invites the audience to be part of his experience. Something that our longtime listeners are probably so sick of hearing us say this over and over again, but respect your audience Trust your audience, and Hitchcock does a such a good job with that. In thinking about, you know, the shower scene is is a great example of this. It is. I don't know if this term would be applied to like to, to movie making, but the term that I used it in, in terms of graphic design is like gestalt, which is. This is hard for me to like to explain with the words. It'd be really easier for me to show you something visually, but if you think about logos or even even a piece of artwork if you can imagine like an, an ice cream cone where you only see if it's in black and white you only see half of it but what happens is our brains are smart enough to know if you're only seeing half of the ice cream cone what the other half looks like so you'll see this the reason I brought up like logos is like this is you'll often see this application in it people who create logos will create things that look like that because it, it looks more interesting and they trust that you know your eye knows to fill in in that gap and the same thing is happening uh you know I'm sure in other movies too but definitely in Hitchcock movies going back to the shower scene we're never seeing the knife hit her body but your yeah. brain and your eyes know that that's happening. and that we're filling in those gaps ourselves. And it just makes her such a better engaging experience for us as viewers,
0: yeah, and in many ways, it makes it it makes it more terrifying or 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 worse because I mean, what's what's more terrifying than what you allow to happen in your imagination yes. than <laughs> what actually plays out on scene? I think there's elements to his that his to his filmmaking that, if you're not conscious of it, and this is not a put down to people who don't, who aren't, but if you're not conscious of it coming, it's probably the best way to experience it because you don't, you don't see it happening. Like he has this, this um, propensity to make the audience aware of something that's going to happen before the main character finds out that it's going to happen. And it's, as, as again, uh, having seen the majority of his of his career works, I now sometimes watch the films to find that point more so than to watch the movie again for the thirtieth time. And I think a great example of this is is Rope. I mean, the audience finds out almost immediately that these two guys killed a guy, and that guy's in a trunk in the middle of this room where they're going to have a party in about 10 minutes with a dozen or so guests and the guests, including the lead character and Jimmy Stewart has no idea that there's a body in there. And you want to talk about holding someone's attention for the full length of that movie. I mean, that's the way to do it. Psycho's the same way. You know that there's multiple elements of that happening. You know that Norman Bates dresses as his mother is in the shower is in the bathroom. I mean, you don't know that it's Norman Bates at the time, but you know the mother's in the shower or coming into the bathroom before the main character knows that it's happening. So even that very short amount of time also gets that suspense feeling kind of like pent up in you. So it's a brilliant way of making of of, of making films. And I think it does more again to add to the anxiety of the watcher of of of, of the movie.
1: Isn't it so funny like that you know most of us I think identify as being anxious people yet (laughs) this is what we're running to go do as our entertainment is to I I think that the reason that we do it not to get super psychological here but is like it's controlled in a way I mean obviously because we know that it's a movie and then especially if we're watching movies that we've seen before so it's It's knowing that we're going to experience that emotion, but knowing that, you know, it'll be over. We can turn it off. We can walk away. We can step away. Right. So we started something new. I'm usually going to you with ideas. So I think I was so excited that I barely listened to what you said. And I was like, you know what? Sure. Let's do it.
0: Could have said anything right there at that point in time, couldn't I Michelle and I grew up in the 90s, and we've noticed, I think, over the years that a lot of the uh, references that we end up dropping in our podcast end up coming from that period in our childhood. We were a TV generation, so we remember a lot of these offbeat commercials and a lot of these things that um, were a part of our childhood, and I thought it would be fun to kind of like look back at them. We don't really watch commercials anymore in in this day and age, you know, ads are usually something that we're doing anything that we could possibly do to skip over funny commercials or or commercials at memorable jingles have stayed with us over the years. Uh, and this platform, this, this commercial breakdown show gave us the opportunity to bring some of them back and, you know, relive a few of these moments with, with all of you and, you know, reflect fondly on them.
1: So if you get a chance, go into one of our pod for creative social profiles or go to our website and look for commercial breakdown which is the name of our show i time this it takes literally four seconds of your time subscribe to our youtube channel and hit that thumbs up button if you have a friend or a sibling or someone um, that you remember talking to about the commercials that, that we're showcasing, certainly anywhere where you can share it, we would really appreciate it. Is it like is it like not PC if we talk about our favorite Hitchcock girls? I feel like this is... Like, we're not supposed to be, like, objectifying women. I don't
0: but... know if we should do that. I mean, like...
1: Uh, and everyone already I knows we hate Tippy, so... Tippy's we, out, yeah. yeah.
0: I think he... I think he had a a propensity to pick the same or to, to, to um, cast the same type
2: mm-hmm. of
0: actress in his movies. Um, you know, the, the majority of the ones in his hits at the very least were all, you know, young, attractive, blonde women. And I think that was his style or or I shouldn't say style like that was his he desired that and I think you know a lot of what he put into his movies were things that he probably as an individual wasn't wasn't getting Mm. so I think you see a lot of romance in certain parts with with the, the the male lead um or um flirtatiousness or whatever it is. And I think those are all things that he likely desired in his life that he just wasn't able to, you know, obtain. So he created it as an art and incorporated it in part of his films.
1: I heard something, I learned something recently that I didn't know before. You probably know this because I feel like you listen, like you're, you're famous for or famous between us anyway. <laughs> <In> this, <laughs> for like in
0: this conversation, yes for right?
1: for watching old interviews on YouTube, like from the sixties and seventies. Oh um so I heard this, I believe, in an interview with Alfred Hitchcock and Peter Bogdanovich in that TMC podcast that I just listened to, which I will link to in the show notes because I'm it's like my favorite thing that I've listened to in the last year. But anyway, in that interview Hitchcock was talking about when he was very young. Uh,
2: I suppose I must have been at the age of five when I was sent along with a note to the chief of police, who read the note, then promptly put me into a cell and locked the door. You hadn't read the note? No, I hadn't read the note. uh, For five minutes? Yes, and then said, That's what we do to naughty little boys, you see.
1: We can see this theme in so many of his movies about like his relationship with, with police and the law. And, and immediately the visual that jumps to mind is in psycho when yeah. she's in the car and the police officer kind of like fills the whole frame, like looking into the
0: car. Yeah. Um, it's terrifying. It yeah. does actually like make your hair stand up. Yeah. And he does a really good job in the, in when, when, when the officer's following her car, um, hmm you know, after he kind of checks on her, when he reappears, when she's making the transaction to to change cars um, at the use at the car lot, um, the the watching from a distance always has an eye on her. It is. It has this very haunting feel to it. But I think there's, you know, there's there's something about things that happen to us in our childhood. And again, this is a whole psychological conversation. <laughs> but moments in our childhood that we remember that still. I think, stay with us as we become adults, even though we've knowingly disproved that none of that stuff is ever going to to happen or come to fruition. You still have those those apprehensive feelings towards, you know, uh, something that your parents told you probably to try to keep you away from something and, and that's always embedded in the back of your head or, you know, an experience that you had. I think those are all things that still are with us as we get older. And I think Hitchcock did a really good job of trying to incorporate some of those, those primal, um, mm-hmm. fears and remind us of some of those on probably a larger scale that these things can still happen, you know, even though they're not likely to you couple that with the way something is shot. It can, it can really do a lot of damage in, in, in the moment when you're watching it and dial him for murder. Well, I'll 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 lead with what scared me first as a kid. But I I wasn't afraid of the dark, but I didn't I wasn't a fan of it either. You know. I it's mean, not what like kid is this, <laughs> right? But like I had a I remember having a, I mean I remember having a dream as a kid where I was I was on a game show, and I gave an answer to like the 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 final question, and. Throughout the entire game show, I'm not telling the story in chronological order, but throughout the entire game show, at the back of the studio, like still on the set, but on the back of the studio, there was this black box, right? And the whole game show is going on. No one's no one's acknowledging this black box. It's just there, and we get to the final question, and they ask me the answer, and I and I I give the answer, and the host says. All right, look for it. And all of a sudden my vision starts to like zone in on this black box in the back of the thing. And everyone's like turning and looking at the box and I'm just getting closer and closer in on the box. And I had to force myself awake because it's one of those like something, you know, your anxiety Mm -hmm. is just building at that point in time. So it's one of those times in your dream where you just literally force yourself awake. And like I came to in my bed and I looked to see what time it was on the clock. And this is my right hand to God. And I looked at the clock and right next to the clock was this black box again. Like I saw it in my eyes. Like I don't know if I was fully awake or if I was half awake, but it was still there. And I just remember yelling out this, you know, yelling out this scream and darkness and blackness and things like that have always played. Like I've been aware of them, you know, um, if, if, I'm sick and I'm sleeping in our other bedroom. That room is noticeably darker than, you know, uh, th- th- my regular bedroom. So, like, I'm aware immediately when I when I turn the light out, like, oh, God, it's really dark in here. Like, it takes me a second to adjust. At any rate, the point I'm trying to make is is that I think a movie like Dial M for Murder, which a lot of it is shot in a very dark mm-hmm. apartment complex. The, the The elements of darkness in Rear Window where... You know, the gentleman across the street turns out the lights to, you know, so Jimmy Stewart doesn't know where he is. Like, I think he plays on a lot of primal fears that he knows that people have. And I think that's a very um, significant style of filmmaking or or elements of filmmaking that he kind of contributes, because I think there's still when you think back on things in your childhood some things don't seem any scarier than that because the stuff as an adult that's scary is obvious, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I don't, I don't, this is not fair to say because I'm sure there's a lot of movies that incorporate this that have some element of scaring, but like if you would do a horror movie where somebody has cancer, <laughs> which you think is an adult, like being sick is probably like one of the scarier things that mm-hmm. you can experience. I don't think you would have that same feeling towards that as an adult. Mm-hmm. but you play on something that you were terrified as as a kid. There's still moments of it even as an adult where you're like, yeah, that was pretty freaking weird. <laughs> like that was pretty scary.
1: Maybe you don't think it's cool, but I think it's cool that you got to experience some of these movies like at at such a young age. I mean, I have only ever watched them as an adult and, you know, I I think that I'm typically You know, an optimistic person who's like drawn to like you know bright, cheery things, but yet there's this side of me who that's just like I'm so obsessed with with Hitchcock and and these stories, and I don't know what it is if it's if it's. I mean, I know that partially it's that it was created in in they were created in an era that I love, so I think that's
0: a big part of it for me too.
1: It's it's a huge part of it, but also. I don't know, just like the sophistication in his, in his storytelling. He just, he does it differently. And I mean, I feel like I could probably do an entire podcast just on Dial M for Murder alone. But I think one of the things that really draws me to that story is it's, in addition to it really only taking place in this like, you know, one apartment, there are also maybe like five, maybe six people like if you're going to count like the extra police guys who come in as characters and everyone in that movie is really smart like yeah even it it always annoys me a little bit that uh grace kelly's character is so you know kind of like submissive but at the same time he gives her something in that movie that like not he doesn't give to a lot of his uh female leads and that like when the movie is presented like she she is the one who's like having an affair and she's you know in some ways like has the upper hands in this in their situation so i always thought that that element of it was really cool but it's really like a it's a battle of wits it's like who's gonna figure out first what's really going on and and, you know it doesn't involve anything flashy it just involves like smart people
0: yeah thinking (laughs) yeah i think like i think that's a a, a huge another huge part of, of of his style and i think sometimes it's also the emptiness like i think it's in to catch a thief if i'm right and i was just doing a quick search to 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 confirm but there's there's a scene i think it's in this movie you're gonna have to help me with this. It's I know this, this one or... well,
1: so I should. I should know.
0: Uh, what's the one where there's the where, where's uh the, where the sun is is missing?
1: Uh, the man who knew too much. The second okay. one. I've still never seen the the first version, but he he made the same movie twice, right?
0: Yeah. There's a there's a scene in that movie where, um, he and who was the female lead?
1: It's Doris Day, I think.
0: Yeah, right. Where they were, there. Yeah, great. Cause she does case Sura, Sura, Yeah. right? Okay. Where they're looking for him, and they're 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 in like an area of this town where it's like the two of them in the middle of the day. It feels like it's like two in the afternoon, three in the afternoon. Nobody's on the street, you know. Like and and like they're plotting like how they're gonna go about this this thing, and you're just like it seems so empty right now. Like it seems so like, where, where is the, where's the hustle and bustle? Where's the, but it just lends itself to the, the feeling of being alone. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. where I imagine if there were a kidnapping that like, that's how you feel in the moment. So like, you know, like I just, I love the, 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 the combination of how should somebody be feeling in this moment when this is happening and then let's bring that to life. Let's make that a real thing.
1: I love that. Love it.
0: Yeah. It's just, you know, he's he's brilliant. There isn't, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say I love everything that, that he's done, but there's elements of each of his films, if not more so in, in individual films, that are wonders. And it's a... And yet somehow I feel like he's underrated.
1: Oh, definitely. Well, especially as... As time goes on, I think. I mean, how many parents are introducing their kids to Hitchcock movies?
0: Yeah, it's true. And I don't, you know, and I don't think my dad would, would, I mean, I would not call my dad a Hitchcock fan. I just think it was like he liked that movie. You're going to like this one. You know? So that's what we would watch. But I think he's, he's, he's underrated. Maybe not so much today because of, you know, you know, it's like it's it's like a, a movie that, you know, was a was a box office disaster and then somehow found a cult following and became this big thing, you know, after the fact. I, I think in many ways he has become a better film known known as a as a more appreciated filmmaker than he was while he was doing this.
1: I think so too. I, I do think that his his legacy is stronger than the respect he received at the time, but I think that that's unfortunately many artists not just him
0: yeah i think that's i think that's true
1: so if anyone's watching this or listening to this and they've never seen a hitchcock before what would be you can tell like your top 5 if you want but i was thinking it might be cool to give like what would be like your starter pack like what 3 to 5 movies would you recommend starting with
0: i think you have to probably do psycho Mm -hmm. as as your as your kickoff because that's his that's his like a signature yeah Yeah. i don't know if he would call it that but i think i think as film watchers and film you know movie watchers go i think they would probably say that if it were me i would probably give i would probably say psycho north by northwest rear window
1: Mm -hmm. i think that's solid i had
0: to give you three to pick i think those would be the three if you want to get a good feel for, Mm -hmm. you know, we didn't even really get into a lot of North by Northwest, you know, in terms of, um, and there's still time, but we really didn't get into that as an example. But I think the storytelling in that, that film, the, the dialogue, the reliance on dialogue in that film, Psycho 2, I think there's a lot on, on, on that, but the reliance on, dialogue between Cary Grant and and Ava Marie Saint I think is like probably one of my favorite uh, probably one of my favorite lead character lead actor actress uh, pairings of any one of his movies Mm -hmm.
1: I love North by Northwest I didn't see it for the first time until you know fairly recently maybe like last four or five years I think that it is probably his best well-rounded film. It has everything. It has the mystery, the suspense, the love story. It's funny. It's beautiful. And yeah, Cary Grant, I mean, you just, (laughs) you can't go wrong.
0: Yeah. And the elements of humor, like, you know, um, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to ruin it, but there's moments you'll see throughout the film where like, the way he delivers a line or the, or his playfulness or his just complete, like, you know, lack of, of, of seriousness for the situation that yes. Love that. Yeah. That humor is the best. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't, I mean, North by Northwest to me is, yeah, it's, it's a thriller and there's a little bit of a mystery component to it. I might say it's probably more mystery than, than thriller, but there's a lot of like comedy Mm-hmm. I think in 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 his that are that are little comedy balls that are just dropped in from time to time in his in his films that like it's like a pressure valve where it alleviates a little bit of like the tenseness and then gets you set up for the next the next punch that's about to come.
1: I don't think this is a spoiler, but I love the line where his mother is in the elevator and she asks them like. You're not trying to kill my son, are you? And like she's they like asking laughs, them like scared. like yeah. like seriously.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> like Oh, are you really checking, trying to right? kill him? <laughs> no, it's like it's it's so true. Like I I mean, and I don't know if necessarily like even I don't know if he necessarily like intends for some of them to be in there, but like even in Psycho, you know, at at the at the conclusion of Psycho where there's a discussion between the police officers, the detectives, the psychologists, all this other stuff about trying to unravel who Norman Bates really is, where they're talking about, you know, I don't know how to tell this without ruining it, but I I don't know if anyone's, I I don't feel like, I'm sorry. You know, like you don't know the whole story behind Psycho by now. I'm sorry, but like spoiler alert. So cut this if you are listening to this right now. When they're talking about him dressing in women's clothing, and they're trying to explain that, you know, oftentimes this is what he would do. And one of the detectives, so like bluntly and elementary-esque, is just like, he's a transvestite. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, not quite. You know, but like the way he dropped the line, like completely dismissive. Like I laugh hard at that line almost every time I hear it because it's like, I often wonder, like, did Hitch know that that was going to get a laugh Did he think he was putting it in there because there were people in the audience who would think the same thing? Ah, he's just a transvestite. That's not, but I look at it as like, it's such a simple minded way of explaining it that it's so funny to me. Um, And I think that's kind of like my, my niche of, of comedy is like people who want to be the dumbest person in the room, you know, the David Letterman's, the Stooges, like, because being the smartest person in the room never gets laughs. And I feel like that was dropped in there for the right reasons.
1: Really good delivery. Yeah, that line is is funny. I have forgotten about that. Do you have a? Um, I mean, I kind of feel like Rope and Dial and for Murder are kind of hidden gems. They're like slightly off the beaten path. Are there any others that you think that most people have never heard of that you would recommend?
0: Um. Rebecca,
1: I just watched Rebecca this summer for the first time. It was yeah. so good. What was your thoughts? I loved it. I really liked it. You seem like you're not as enthused.
0: No, I like it. Um, I I.
1: I can't believe we didn't ta- we didn't talk about this.
0: I don't think we talked about okay. this. Well, you usually go on your like. I remember <laughs> I wasn't on social media, so I don't know when you were launching into your Hitchcock. Uh, you know, experience, you usually do it for like a week, but, um, right. Did, I mean, a did month. You do it this year? Oh, it's It's, a month? it's
1: usually not like in October. Hasn't, hasn't really started yet. The, 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 the Rebecca was like a separate event.
0: <laughs> I think the level of like Rebecca, um, the intimidation, I think components of it all is, um, you know, from, from the, um, was it was a Lawrence Olivier, his wife, his first wife. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's also one of those, like, it's not my favorite movie by him, but like, I think it's one of those, again, childhood, early adulthood. You still have some elements of it where you don't want to necessarily like, you know, your, your guard is up for being intimidated as an adult versus like when you were a kid, you kind of feared that, that piece of it. I think it does prey on a lot of that, that early childhood component i think that would be that would be one that's not necessarily like one of his hallmark films that i think is 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 good yeah strangers on a train i think that's 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 pretty well known too but i don't think it gets the same level of play as as the north by northwest or vertigo or the birds so
1: Mm -hmm. what about you it's funny that you pick two that are black and white the one that I would suggest as like it feels Hitchcock but it doesn't um it's called The Trouble with Harry and I think it's one of his more funny like it, it may even be labeled as a as a comedy like there is a murder in it there is a you know kind of like Done It type yeah. uh story but it's a really um interesting visual film. I own the DVD, and this is like a DVD from the 2000s, and every time I play it, I am like floored by how like h- a high quality viewing experience it is. So I don't know if they like just really remastered it or whatever, but it you would almost think it was like shot now. Like that's yeah. how, how crisp it is. It is also very colorful very saturated it takes place in the fall so there's like in new england so there's like lots of um foliage and um you know it's like you know one of these stories about like a town and all the characters are are like a little bit wacky and i just i think it's kind of like a fun not so scary hitchcock movie
0: I'll leave you, I, I think it's good to probably to to end with this piece of this because you you hit on a good point about the way things are shot and how even 70 years after some of these things were made, it still feels like it could have been produced in you know 2021. One of the interviews that he gave um, later in his life, he was asked about what he thinks the future of cinema going is going to be, or what he would like it to be, and he gave a really interesting answer
2: What is reality? Uh, I don't think many people want reality I think whether it's in the theater or in films I think it must look real, but it never must be because reality is something none of us can really stand at any time
0: if you've enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word on social media. Tag us at Pod for Creatives and let us know which stood out to you.
1: I can talk about that. This is going to be in that feed if you want, but
0: no, I don't even think you have. Everyone
1: to like knows who you are, so yeah,
0: yeah. Just give me a name bar in the video. That's yeah. Cool. How about featuring? I get an opening credit. Or you Featuring's want to be
1: DNA. featuring?
0: Yeah. Yeah. How about? Starring Michelle Hickey, Star- and I get the, I get the, and And, Steve King, yeah, you, yeah, you're the person
1: right. of distinction, yeah, yeah. Jerry, <laughs> always. And Jerry
0: Stiller at the end, and Jerry Stiller. <laughs>